Hello, everybody. This is Jerry Anderson, a.k.a. Jerry Leonard, again, and I'll tell you why in a moment. This is my beautiful wife and co-host, Jennifer. Say hello. What's up? And on the phone right now, we have a comedian, former rapper, uh, former five-time, no, 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 not really, (laughs) five-time rapper, uh, uh, Chris Hopkins. Thanks for joining us, man. Thanks for having me on, man. It's, it's great to be on the show. Yeah, it's great to have you. And we, we tried this a couple other times uh, uh, using a, a messenger video chat, and we're just having some technical difficulties, so we're doing this through the phone now. Uh, I appreciate we your had, patience, we had sir. Too much, we had too much demand. Mark Zuckerberg got jealous, and he's like, yeah. they're going to they're melt the whole internet, and then Al Gore is going to have to build another one, and we can't have that. Yeah, I don't... Yeah, yeah. Yeah, that's right. I forgot about Gore invented the internet. Um, yeah. Man, I wish I had thought of something like that. Who would have thunk, right? You know, he still just all by himself. He was just in this basement bullshit, and he was like, "Let me, you know what? Let me, you gonna build the whole internet by myself." You know, <laughs> it, it just depends on how you was raised. Some people keep bodies in basements. Some people build internets. I mean, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> so we was talking a little bit earlier uh, uh, about being on the road and stuff, and, and road stories. You was telling me about being with uh, uh, for Mick Foley, and then right before we got yeah, off. Um, we were talking about... I got uh, to uh, open up for Mick Foley in yeah. uh, Pikeville, Kentucky, and uh, Chattanooga in March of last year. And um, it was kind of crazy because after the Pikeville show, right after I had come off stage, I got into the uh, the hotel lobby, had a little restaurant in there, and they were announcing that the uh, NCAA uh, basketball tournament had been canceled. Mm-hmm. And that's when it kind of hit me that, you know, the whole planet was about to shut down and I was just, I was just really, to be honest, I was fucked up because I, I even said it in the restaurant. I said, "The world waits until I get my shit together to shut down." <laughs> Timing, man, it's like Mother Nature. She's just, she gets her, I don't know, bipolar or what. We got these seasons all messed up. It was sixty-eight today. It was twenty-something yesterday. Yeah, it's even been uh, up and down in Texas. I just, I don't know. I just. <clears throat> I look at a lot of the things that happened. I was I was uh, lucky enough, uh, blessed enough to be able to to, to to relocate here to Dallas Fort Worth. Okay. And uh, lucky enough to be able to uh, meet uh, George Red and Comedy Junkies and the uh, Diego uh, Morales and uh, Vatos Chisotos and there's so many other people that's looked out for me. Uh, Zach Sprung and Sprung Productions. Right. It's just I met so many good people that. We're doing everything they could to give us a platform while so many other things were shut down. And, mm-hmm. you know, we, we made sure we had, you know, the social distancing. We had our mask on. We had right. oven mitts on. I had on some snowshoes. <laughs> um, <clears throat> I mean, I was I was prepared, man. I had on, like, uh, thermal underwear. I, I made sure. <laughs> yeah. So, and, and, but to be, able to, to be able to still go out and come and to the people who still wanted to be able to come out and get entertainment to be able to get that to be able to network and to be ready to go out and entertain people you know as things start to slowly reopen i felt like being here and, and having the opportunity to keep working and to meet great great people mm-hmm. allowed me to advance my career a lot further than i would have been able to if things were you know normal Different. circumstances to be honest right and, and and it seems like you know what better time because people need something like that you know with 9 yeah. 11 things shut down for a few minutes but but they were right back up you know we're right back into sports and everything and this took so yeah. long that so so i'm really glad some of that got to happen um you were also talking about a mutual friend of ours uh, she's done the podcast uh she's on the feral hogs tour right now she's headed your way uh bridget martin 
Yeah, man, she's been a mentor of mine, helped me get uh, started at the uh, Comedy Catch, and uh, she will be here in uh, Dallas-Fort Worth, February 16th and 17th. The uh, 16th, she's going to be uh, she's gonna make an appearance at the uh, big uh, open mic we always have at Will Call, and she's going to be mm-hmm. on George Red's uh, podcast, and then she's going to be in the official Feral Hogs tour stop for uh, Dallas-Fort Worth at uh, Hyenas Fort Worth in the Red Room. Uh, tickets are available for $5, super cheap. But, That's uh, amazing. You know me, you can hit me up and get a hookup. It's um, <laughs> Bridget. Uh, she's bringing uh, Hillary with her. She's got Andrew Farrar from Florida. And then uh, my friends here in Dallas Fort Worth, uh, Joy Red speaks mm-hmm. from uh, Comedy Junkie Society. He's going to host. Uh, we've got the uh, Diego Morales, the uh, Texas Chuckle, Man. Um, Sarah Tullis, AJ, uh, <clears throat> Adrian Johnson. And uh, my friend Zach Sprung is going to be there, so it's it's just going to be a really great event. Got a couple little surprise guests, little spots I'm going to sneak oh. in, so it's it's going to be an amazing night. So yeah, that sounds like you really need to check that out. I know if I was down that area, I would definitely be there um, with yeah. some of that. You see me with a minute ago. Speaking of which, can we? <laughs> Oh, you still waiting for a ladder? <laughs> she was waiting for a ladder that, lighter that was in her lap. That's okay. A little bit of that good, good spinach. Yeah, a little bit of that good spinach. That's just why they call me Popeye. Hit more trees than Tarzan. Um, what else were we talking about before? We talked about Brian things? and um. Yeah, Brian Smith. Wrestling. Uh, he actually um with the Bobby Anderson character. Yes. I forget the name of the organization. It was a little one in uh, mm-hmm. McDonald's in uh, Tennessee, right there uh, near Ottawa. But he uh, hooked me up. I got to be a man. It was one of my all-time, like, bucket list things. Right. I got to be, like, a, a bad guy and get cussed at and, like, back oh, wow. like, wrestling. Yeah, I was a, I was a big city lawyer. Oh, my God. It was it was, it was the best experience. I've never, I never wanted to be a face. I always wanted to be a heel. Right, me I too. I always loved the heel. So that shit was just great for me. Yeah, I was. it took me a long time to, to kind of find my groove. Um, I was a face for a long time. Uh, probably the first four or five years I wrestled, and then I tried heel for a little bit, but I didn't quite get the concept or the psychology, or or, or there was a few little things I was missing. And, and I got this mentor named uh, uh, David Young. He went by Rawhead Rex. Um, oh, okay. Yeah, yeah, and uh, oh, that is see, that is the perfect see. It's and then too being down in that area, it's you got you got guys like. I think the reason I started liking heels, it just seemed like all the faces were just, you get tired of guys that win all the time and it's so corny. And when you, when you see stuff so scripted, you just, you, you really want to see Hulk Hogan get smacked in the back of the head with a chair. You want to, you want right. to see Roddy Piper or Jesse the body get that W. I just, you get tired of seeing the faces win all the time. Yeah. getting <laughs> all the glory. You got to give people a reason to, to come back. You know, I always like the storylines where, the, the face was chasing the heel, um, and, and the heel pretty much fucks him over 15 times in a row. The people are just really sick of it, and then right yeah. when they didn't think that anything good was going to happen, then the face wins because yeah. it's always a bigger pop. It's always a, a better, you know, something to keep people involved. They keep coming back because if it's the face that always wins, why would you come back? Okay, good God wins. Now what? 
I kind of like, well, there was a, and it's different, like, if, if you've got, like, broadcast wrestling in a national audience, you can do that. Sure. I was lucky enough, I asked, answered a Craigslist ad when I first met, it's been, like, five or six years ago, and I first got <laughs> to Chattanooga for some extra change, because uh-huh. um, I went to broadcasting school, and I got a little bit of, you know, audiovisual. I did lights and sound for a small organization in Chattanooga, TWE, uh-huh. and I'm thankful for that. And I, I wrestled for them. So, like, the local stuff. You want to make sure your mm-hmm. your faces win because yeah. those are the people to put the butts in the seats. Yeah. And then if you get a heel, that'll that'll build a following. You that was the fun thing about being with Bryant and then getting to you know play you know be with Bobby Anderson is yeah when you have a known heel like he had, we actually had to change it like people really dislike that Bobby Anderson character so yeah. much and they can't they can't separate Mm-mm. fact from fiction especially so, down here. Like, yeah, and, and man, to really to walk in and just feel how angry they were, man, it was so great. Like the vibe, and just oh my gosh, it like it's it's just the biggest, the best feeling in the world. I used to play football, uh-huh. and I always loved the away game because the team had to travel in together, and you were more together, man. And there's nothing better when when you're playing against somebody and you look over and you see it's like, oh, that's your girlfriend, the cheerleaders, like. Oh, that's that's your mom and dad right there. And just like just shit on them. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> just shit on them in front of their girls. And their mom. <laughs> it was, oh, that's the best. That, that is the best. It's always more fun being the heel. Well, yeah, once I get in the groove of being the heel, then it was I, I did that for the next fifteen years. I haven't been a face. I don't even remember the last time, to be honest with you. That's why I love the the. The way that they um, did uh, Stone Cold and even The Rock, yeah. That even when he was a face, he was more of a heel. It's like an yeah. anti-hero. He didn't yes. care. The the Hulk Hogan and the Ric Flair, like the Golden Boys, just. Uh, I even like like when I was younger and I watched. I, I liked how I liked Dusty Rose because Ric Flair and the Four Horsemen, they were heels, but they they acted like heels, but they were faces. They all, yeah. Well, really, it was. Arnold only Anderson did all the dirty work, man. Ric Flair mm-hmm. wouldn't have, man. It was always the Andersons. Yeah, Anderson should have just should have just actually just took his belt from him because it was always the Anderson saving his ass. Yeah, Dusty Rose. Right when Dusty Rose was about to get him, it was always one of the Andersons who was popping him in the back of the head. Oh yeah, and it was always more than you know. You know, it was always two on one, three on one, four on yeah. one. Yeah. So so like there was a time. When heels, you know, you got the cool heel nowadays, but I, I liked, not that they weren't cool heels because they were, the Four Horsemen, especially Ric Flair, but but they were mean, you know, especially the Andersons. I like mean heels. Yeah. I, I don't, you know, I don't want you the pretty. Coolest, I want you gritty. You know How you saying that, and especially in Georgia wrestling, mm-hmm. one of the coolest mean heels was Michael P.S. Hayes. And, yeah. And the, that, 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 or a Jake the Snake. You you can be cool and be a heel, but it's not going to be. You can't be all bright faced, and you can't you know be doing the the, the call to like the old the old Hulk Hogan before yeah. Hollywood Hogan, the the old banana yellow and red Hogan. Yeah, that's yeah yeah that's a little played out, and it's I that, yeah. I think that's what they've tried to do again. They've tried to bring it back to that, but kind of unsuccessfully. Not at least not as successful as it was when Hogan was around the last time. Especially after Attitude Era, anybody who was alive during that, that's the go-to. Is there a certain era that is a go-to for you? Man, okay, it's funny. So, And I was just about to say, as an old uh, uh, 
Asian proverb that says you can never step into the same river twice. It's, you can't go back to that because right. people's at, you know the entertainment has changed. Uh -huh. There's different things that you're competing against, like the 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 rise of MMA makes it so wrestling has to be presented differently. People understanding is like okay, you know we're understanding this is scripted. So uh -huh. there's different ways that they go about it. Like my great aunt. She used to always, we used to always watch like the old school, like the early 80s wrestling. Yeah. And she would swear up and down it was real. That was, yeah. you know, before back like, till. So, People fought so you over I, it. Yeah. So I, I kind of, I kind of go, really, my favorite era really was the Attitude Era with The Rock and Stone Cold mm -hmm. and then um, The Undertaker. Because really, a lot of those guys had been around since the early days. Rocky was Rocky Maivia. Um, Stone Cold was he like the Ice Man when they were still developing. Yeah. Undertaker was Mean Mark in WCW. Yep. So guys were kind of floating around. I remember back to like Demolition and Mr. Fuji. I, I like Jake the Snake. So like Love the late the 80s thing. guys, there were people that wound up making their name in the Attitude Era, but they were bubbling in you know late 80s, early 90s. Right. Yeah. So I think it kind of it kind of boils over. And then it's almost funny that. Hulk Hogan was so much of a cornball heel that he tried to go into the, the Hollywood Hogan and then yeah. I really I really, I really thought that, and I mean it started off that I felt like the, the WWF back then uh -huh. they they broke the you know the gentleman's agreement you know to stay regional and then yeah. kind of screwed everybody over but then when they came back with you know WCW and the NWO it was almost such a corny ripoff that it, it made stuff even yeah, yeah, and that's and you know you're talking about today the the different things that wrestling face and especially WWE now you have um, um, no crowds you have uh, like AEW nipping at their heels there's so many other things they're dealing with you got to totally change some things around right and and the funny thing is is like I'm originally from Columbus Ohio and um, a lot of my really good friends wrestled and. Man, the, the best wrestling <clears throat> comes from the Midwest. Ohio's a really big wrestling state. Yeah. Had some friends that wrestled at, at Ohio, at Ohio State, went to camps and stuff. Oh, wow. And nice. when I was in high school, my best friend, Charlie Emmett, wrestled. He always talks about this dude, Mark Coleman, like he was Superman. He was like, and he oh, always yeah. talk about it. I called about this other guy. He said, you could be just like Kevin Randleman. And it's like, man, it's like, I run oh. track. I'm not wrestling. He's like, no, yeah. it's like, I'm telling you. It's like, they go to Japan and they fight bare knuckle and they beat the crap out of everybody. And it's like, and it just sounded like, you know, stuff that my friend was saying, trying to get me to, you know, to get into wrestling. Right. But lo and behold, it's like, um, maybe three years ago, I think the first UFC was 93 or 94. Yeah, around there. I didn't there. even see it live on pay-per-view. I, I got it. My, um, my first wife had passed. We would always uh, go to video stores. She would get horror movies, mm -hmm. and I was a squeamish little bitch, so I didn't watch those. <laughs> so I'd find other shit to watch. So I got this. She was in the horror movie section, and they had the UFC in there with faces of death because I remember they were that. acting like it was a it was a battle to the death. And, yeah, but it was basically a setup by one guy who actually knew jujitsu, a bunch of guys who really looked tough who had no idea what the hell they were doing. Yeah. Yeah, and speaking of that, you you had led me to one of the most hilarious videos I have ever seen. Uh, we were having a discussion about uh, tough guys who'd never probably even been in a schoolyard fight in their life, uh, explaining what they would do. And, and I remember when it first came out, it was really rough because I heard everything from, man, if you try to choke me, I'd just bite you. I'm like, okay, I'll tell you what, I'm going to put you in a choke, but I'm going to put my arm in your mouth. Yeah. And when I say go, you start biting, I'm going to start squeezing, okay? 
the thing that got me too is my instructor, actually the guy who you know coached the one video we <laughs> shared with you. Yeah, yeah. And then it's it's something that people never think about. It's like okay, if you bite me and I'm trying to break your arm, you're definitely going to get your arm broken. Right. And you don't think that there's dirty fouls in jujitsu that absolutely that's even worse than your body. Yeah. <laughs> it's like if somebody if somebody can beat you within the rules of of a, of a gentlemanly sport like jujitsu and like mm-hmm. the actual, you know what? I'm, I'm, and I'm sorry, I'm rambling, but this, no, you're good. It, it, it's, I love the subject. What that really is, and, and it brings it full circle, is catch wrestling. Yes, catch is catch can. Who, yep, exactly. And it was like, you know what? This is jujitsu translated as the gentle art. Catch yep. wrestling is the opposite of that. Catch wrestling is like, I'm going to break the shit. Yeah, yeah. They, another word for it was ripping. Yeah. Yeah, so yeah, the guys like Billy Robinson and Carl Gotch and. And, that, and that's the thing too, where people—it's—it's—it's—it's it's, it's it's the background of pro wrestling comes from that. So yeah, it's—it's it's a gentleman's agreement that you know, for the most part, is scripted. There's a lot of stuff that might happen in you know yeah. in, the, in the match. There's signals that can be given that you know, okay, well, we're getting a different crowd pop. We're going to have yeah. somebody else go over. The I actually took bumps at TWE, uh-huh. and I thought, I, man, they make it look like they're landing on a trampoline. Those, yeah. those mats have no give. That shit hurts. <laughs> yeah, I remember in training, one of the most beautiful things to see is your trainee take their first bump, mm-hmm. and that look in their eyes like they're realizing. It's almost like when you was in school and you told somebody quit fucking with you, he's going to slap them, and they wouldn't yeah. quit fucking with you, and you slapped them, and they looked at you all shocked. Same yeah, look. Like, oh, oh, oh my God, it's real. And I can't yeah, breathe. yeah, I can't breathe. <laughs> and then you know what? Too, when you take your first bump, and then when you try to climb on the turnbuckle, you think of every pro wrestling match you've ever seen. It's like, man, they make this shit look so easy. Yeah, yeah. He, like the Undertaker walking on the top rope at his size is. Yeah, so athletically amazing, a miracle. People don't even understand and realize it because they're yeah. used to seeing it. They're spoiled. And then he's doing this three hundred nights a week. I mean, nights a year, nights a year traveling. <laughs> yeah, taking those you know multiple bumps and, and forgot like I'm I'm five seven, one hundred and ninety pounds. It's one thing me taking bumps. It's another thing being like six five, three hundred pounds and taking bumps. Yeah. The wear and, and tear like, on the body. The 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 extreme matches when. Like, I, I went walking by on the concrete, and I was sitting there thinking, too, that whenever they have, you know, people going out of the ring onto the concrete, that there's a, a, a mat down there. Sometimes there is, but, man, when they hit the concrete, man, there's actual concrete. Yeah. And the reason they can do it is because they actually know how to land. They've yeah. dedicated their lives. They've taken the bumps. They've Because they've, you land so you got to land wrong a few times to know how to <laughs> land right. Yes, so, sir. <laughs> They've, they've gotten hurt and, and done it the wrong way enough times to be confident and professional enough to go out and do this, you know, 200, 250 times a year to be able to, I mean, even it's, it's like if somebody went and saw like uh, a Schwarzenegger movie, it was like, uh-huh. oh, that's scripted. It's like, duh. It's like, right. what do you say? Are you not entertained? <laughs> right. That's the point of this. It's entertainment. It's like, we get it, you know? It's, yeah. That's why it's, it's not... Like, I, I never had any problem uh, uh, with the end of kayfabe and, and people finding out and things like that. Uh, mm-hmm. My biggest problem is always people using the word fake. Yeah. Um, because some of my injuries that I had in pro wrestling far outweighed anything. I, as a matter of fact, I don't even think I had any serious injuries in MMA at all. Um, it was just amateur, but 
Hey, ain't no such thing as just amateur. You got some, like in Ohio, you had to have like eight or nine fights. You got uh-huh. some states where you got guys that are amateur that have had way tougher fights than, than pros. Yeah, and yeah. You can, you can, you can fight like sometimes. Glass Joe 18 times in a row as a pro. Yeah, yeah, that's true. That's true. Some of them amateurs were tough, though, too. They were, yeah. you know, it, 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 was, it was a different level than people think it is versus, say, like Golden Gloves or something for sure. About the only difference, they were a lot quicker to stop it. Um, you know, with bleeds, nose bleeds, your head, you know, yeah. eyebrow busted open. Um, there was no, you know, waiting for the cut to see if it stopped bleeding and stuff. It would stop. But other than that, it's, it, it, you know, it's like anything else. You're in a cage and it's it's one man that you've never met before trying to fuck you up and you're trying to fuck him up. You know what's crazy though, and it happened a lot in Ohio, is standing across the cage from a guy that you're familiar with that's yeah those those are the the ones where you might have you might have been in a grappling tournament or you guys are from rival camps and y'all might have sparred once or twice so y'all kind of yeah. know each other and then it's like well school wars yeah somebody's got to go up to the next level and this is this is you guys got to fight now yeah 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 there's, there's two guys that wound up uh from the ohio area uh Devonte smith and then guy from pittsburgh uh comma worthy mm-hmm. they're both in the ufc and they met, and then um, Devontae Smith was like the higher-rated prospect, but Worthy got the win, but then Smith, he just got a win last week, so I think they're going to wind up bumping heads, and it, it might wind up being for, you know, title contention. Oh, that'd be so great. So you never, you, you never know, you know, who, and that, and that pond right next to you might be good. I mean, hey, Alabama and Auburn in the same state, and they're all with, <laughs> you know, in the top right. five, so. Yeah, I mean, did you see, uh, speaking of MMA, did you see the Frankie Edgar knockout? Yeah, that was. I love Frankie. I mean, I it, do it too. was a beautiful knockout, but to, to see Frankie go down like it that, hurt. it just made me just wanted like, I don't want to see him get hit like that. No. When, when you when you're that old, and the thing is too about fighting is when it you don't you don't lose and he's old gradually. for fighting. It just, yeah, it just drops off a cliff like what yep. happened with like Vanderlei Silva and Chuck Liddell, where your, your your chin just isn't there, and for you to be knocked unconscious medically, man, that just. That, that, that's so much the trauma of, like a lot of people take it lightly it's like to be not completely unconscious and have to be woken up yeah that's, that's a lot to go through man you're gonna have headaches for like weeks it's, it's concussion take a minute for, yeah you, you, yeah exactly so for for him to be able to get you know i mean if you think about that old fight he had with gray maynard man like gray maynard like, yeah he, those he, are wars gray maynard shot him four times and then hit him with the butt of the shotgun and he yeah. still kept coming forward like a fucking zombie yeah, and, and yeah, it's, it's one of those things where I don't want it to be something where you know five, ten years down the road, Frankie winds up having you know lingering injuries or right. you know any type of trauma because you know he took one or two fights because no matter how much knowledge you might have and how good you feel and how good your training partners are tell you in your mid thirties, right? And there's somebody that's twenty one or twenty two that hungry they're young they're hungry they don't even know how good they are yet like right. the, like the Lieben fighter he might be fighting the next izzy or you might mm-hmm. be fighting you know the next to be you never know what young lion you're like what happened to him and he called a knee you never know what you know especially in the fight you never know what the next guy is, is up to but yeah they you know football has a say in any given sunday and mma it's the yeah. same thing um <sighs> there's so it's so intricate that's you know that's why I would have never been able to get to the next level because just just the transitions and training the transitions is so fucking hard. And then 
all the intricacies of each art and each place. And, and people got to understand when you're on the mat, there's certain things you do. When you're on top, there's certain things you do. When you're on the side, there's certain things you do. When you're up against the cage, there, there's so much that goes into it when all they see is, is you know, maybe the basic fan punch is just... Punch him in the face! Yeah. Punch, punch him in the face! Won't you just move? Oh, my God. I, that's my... I, I was lucky enough um, while, while I was at in, in, in Columbus, there was so many different camps that have like a legendary lineage like a there's a Buckeye MMA that, that is now Ronin MMA mm-hmm. and their lineage kind of came a little bit from Hammer House with uh, Wes Sims and, oh, then, wow. uh, and then the nice. other people that I trained with started at Columbus MMA and uh-huh. is now uh, Grove City MMA and they were uh, affiliated with, with, with George Gergel and Matt Brown came out of that camp Dang. and then, and then like Man, Talk about the tough league, dudes. Like, like right around like 2010, 2011, man, Ohio had like so many amateur shows like going. There were so many guys coming out of Ohio. I mean, Steve Miocic came out of the NAAFS. Mm-hmm. Uh, the two guys I mentioned earlier, um, Rich Franklin, of course. So there was like just tons of guys just coming out of Ohio. And it was so cool because you would see striking camps versus grappling camps. Right. And you, you would have people was like, okay, well, there'd be a, almost a pecking order established. And then there were certain fights. It's like, okay, we know this is the best from this camp. Let's see how it happens. And then we always like, there was these guys that would come down from Canada that you always have, a, it's, it's almost like, the next new dominant camp because it yeah. started off for a while it was Buckeye and then people caught up to Buckeye and then the Canadians came down and then Ronan came so then they caught up with the Canadians and then people started to travel and it was um actually a guy um from uh, Georgia uh, Sid Wheeler he's gone mm-hmm. up and fought uh, a guy up there um, Travis Davis and they've had I think they're one and one so I just like it once it starts to get where people start traveling and then you move up but mm-hmm. And if you're from here, you really got to. Um, there's There's been a, a, a decent promotion here and there in Chattanooga, but overall we just haven't had a good uh, competition scene. We've always had to go elsewhere uh, well, Valor, uh, to do things Valor, like that. Um, shout out to Tim Loy and uh, Valor FC. Valor's yes. tried to get in, Valor, in Chattanooga. They just can't get a good venue. It's, it's hard. Got to, you. That, that's chattanooga's venue poor like for a lot of things it's like you got one or two venues mm-hmm. and that's it so yeah. unless unless somebody puts some money into a new venue or, or something else happens just you have to take a ride but then it's crazy too because you've got so many different boxing and karate camps in georgia yeah and you know north georgia all the way down to atlanta back i remember when uh ESPN used to show the, the PKA, the professional kickboxing, and mm-hmm. man, and all, all them kickboxing tough dudes through there. Yeah, but there's not as there's not as much grappling as there is up north. So you got a, a striking heavy, but then you go to Atlanta and then you got like American Top Team, and you got yeah. a bunch of Brazilian Jiu-Jitsu camps. So it's it really is it's 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 now with the travel you want to try to it's like making gumbo. You want to like I need I need a little bit of yeah. I need striking. I need to go over here to get my grappling. I need to go over here. And how you even said it, it's like you got striking and grappling, but so much of the fight is transitions, like yes. on the cage and the clinch. Huh. So much of fights are decided in, in transitions. There's so It's such, you, you know, until you've done it, you can't truly understand, but it, it, yeah. it truly is a game of chess. I mean, you're you're trying to think ahead. You talk about overthinking in a situation like if i do this he's gonna do this and if he does that then what would i do 
Like you're you're trying to get that that little bit of edge because if you're one move behind, then you're already fixing the tap. Yeah, you know what? And that that's the thing where you just have to have really good training partners and go yes. in and get the living shit beat out of you. To you get <laughs> right, it and like getting beat up. Yeah, and then you get used to it, and then it just comes as second nature. The defenses come. That, and that, that's really the the only. That's why you know people from Jackson Wink are so good because yeah. they have you know great training partners. That's why AKA was so good because they have good training partners. If you know you're the, the the best, you know you train with, and there's nobody to push you, you'll get to a certain point. But I used to say is like that the worst time to find out what you don't know is in a cage. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, right. <laughs> it, it's. Look, it, you know, thank God for muscle memory, right? Especially, yeah. especially that first first fight with first fight jitters and and, and the cage closing and and I don't know about anybody else, but my th- first thought was, why the fuck am I doing this again? Did I think this was going to be fun? Like, what was I really thinking? Do I Man, need some I help? Got... <laughs> I didn't get to start training until my late thirties. Okay, but I lied about my age, and it's on YouTube. I, I got uh-huh. in a, a kickboxing tournament. Yes, sir. And the, the 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 thing is, it's like I really was happy with my effort, man. I went all out, mm-hmm. and I didn't realize till after the fight why I lost. Is I didn't throw any kicks the entire fight. <laughs> 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 and, the, and I and then I was sitting there angry, like I, I, my coach didn't understand, and it was like. It's like yeah, you gotta throw three kicks per round. It's like it's, this is this isn't Mike Tyson's punch out. <laughs> no, <clears throat> but I love the experience, and it's like yes, like you said, unless you've actually been in there, and and you're all gloved up, and your corner's like okay, once you step in there, it's you, and you look across and you see somebody else, and then the ref is like you two guys is like y'all gonna hit each other in a minute. It's like okay, yeah. you ready? Okay, and hit each other. <laughs> yeah, the rest going like ready. I'm like, uh, do I? Can I take a minute? How long do I got to decide? Like, is this? Is it too late? <laughs> yeah, but you know, I, it really, it's 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 sort of like wrestling, except for wrestling. As soon as I came out of the curtain, like I'd already flipped that switch. Where the M- MMA, you had to get popped in the mouth. For I was like, you motherfucker, you're trying to hurt me. It's like, oh yeah, we're in a fight. That makes sense. I better try to hurt your ass back. I've had the kickboxing fight, and and I've never had a pro wrestling match. I'd love Mm -hmm. to, but I would think pro wrestling, because it's like, you've got to come out, and you've got to sell your character. You've got to nail your entrance. Mm -hmm. But then you've got so much to remember. Your entrance, how you're going to engage, those Mm -hmm. first moves coming off. Man, there's so much What does the crowd sound like while you're starting it? Yeah. 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 It's like... People talking about yeah, it's like it's almost it's five times more difficult it being scripted because yes. if you come and run off the turnbuckle and you're supposed to go high in the spot and, and your opponent if if you forget the miscommunication y'all gonna run into each other there's a chance for injury but injury. then even worse or it's death. gonna ruin the whole match yeah because the crowd is like oh man it's like okay. they know yeah yeah it it just completely and then. Every other match after that on the show was going to suffer because it's basically like it's fucking up the veil. It's like yeah. being in a play and forgetting your lines, and then mm-hmm. everybody else has to, you know, catch back up on the play. So people act like it's simple. You can go out there, you can have a shitty fight in the middle of a fight card. Nobody cares, right? You you have you have a bad wrestling match where people's missing their cues or just does does dumb stuff, and it, it the, the crowd goes down, the pop is gone. So then it runs the whole night. Yeah, and, yeah. Everybody else has got to do so much more to try to win the crowd back. Right. Yeah. And that and there, there's nothing harder than somebody doing that and having to go back out there and pull them back because 
you know, whether you're watching cartoons or pro wrestling or a movie or what, you want to be able to suspend your disbelief, right? Yeah, exactly. And once once that is ruined, like you said, once the veil is lifted, then, and that, you know, that's happened to me before, too, uh, uh, watching matches when I was younger. I think that's the first time, you know, because I, I grew up in the South and would fight you if you said wrestling was fake. Mm-hmm. But the first time I saw a dropkick miss, you know, it yeah. ruined it. That you know, that was the end of my childhood right there. Yeah, it's like oh, it wasn't <laughs> nowhere near, and and you still watched it and stuff. But yeah. it was like, wasn't see, the that's, same. that's when you went in the yard and drop kicked your friend. It's like, man, I can do this. Yeah, <laughs> how, how how are they missing that? And then you just start jumping on your brother off the couch, and it's like my elbows hit. <laughs> <laughs> Come here, bro. <laughs> yep. <laughs> yeah, I had a little brother. He was my wrestling dummy. Uh, good. Who stuff. else you gonna Cobra Clutch? Yeah, <laughs> you know that's a lot of the the hold stuff um, are straight from Catch's Catch Can, and yeah. there's so many in the past that I wish they would use today that I think would translate better because people have an understanding of the shoot side, and yeah. they know what works you and what, what doesn't. Though? Almost thinking away, it's it's full circle because yeah, people would act like Eastern martial arts were so mystical and there were so many secrets, and now you can watch that on YouTube. And now it's only big old dudes that don't want to talk to people in <laughs> weird ass little towns who know yeah. all the catch wrestling. They don't want to tell nobody shit. You actually got to go get beat up by a big old barrel chested yeah. dude. When I, <laughs> when I came up in wrestling, there was a, a few shooters from back in the day, and I got yeah. lucky enough to, to train with one. Uh, so that's what got me turned on the catches, catch can wrestling. Um, I, I wish. They have some tournaments and things. There's a King of Catch. Um, I think there's a, mm-hmm. a Gotch tournament, but I, I wish they could put it on a scale somehow of, of at least an MMA or a kickboxing. Because I'd well, like to see the shoot side. What they should do is, because I almost think like how like a Jake Shields. If, if you've right? got guys who've got high wrestling, wrestling and jiu-jitsu, it almost turns into catch. Yeah. So just really just do more... Like, um, some people had said it that, uh, you know, to make high school wrestling more popular, make it so they can, you know, wear, you know, MMA shorts and rash uh, and just make it, make it, make it grappling. Yeah. Make it all grappling, whether it's judo, catch wrestling, you get, you get certain points for a takedown, you get certain points for submission, you get certain points for advancing, you know, control, just make it just straight up, just grappling. Yeah, you, you you know in the olden days in, in school and stuff, you you could win by points, and then when you went yeah. real pro wrestling or catches catch can, it was always the best two out of three, and you could win by either submission or pinfall. Yep. Like I th- and, and I really think that this and then it's hard to do it now because the people expect the the screaming and yelling. But um, with a lot of the, um, there's the uh, a lot of grappling matches that are starting a uh, uh, game like uh, Naga North American Grappling Association. Yes. Um, the Abu Dhabi. So Love it's, those guys. it's starting. To, it's starting to gain popularity, mm-hmm. but it's so much jujitsu heavy. And I think that if you just had like schools that, I mean, you got MMA schools that are wrestling heavy, mm-hmm. but they don't actually really practice wrestling to go just compete in grappling. It right. might be something else. But if you have something that's like, hey, we're actually going to do American, you know, freestyle wrestling, and we're just going to work mostly wrestling. We'll have other classes we do where people have to have freestyle wrestling classes like they do jiu-jitsu. Yeah. Um, there's a guy I know in Ohio. He actually is Stipe Miocic's uh, wrestling coach, oh, uh, Adam Sabato. 
he teaches wrestling classes like that. Like I know places in Ohio and like people that are associated with uh, Ohio State, like a, a guy, Sean Salmon, who was in the UFC. He does wrestling classes like that. I think that there should be more just, just straight up wrestling classes. Um, Absolutely. My cousin actually is in uh, Robbins, Illinois. It's like right outside of Chicago. And man, it's, it's a super rough, like all black area. But her sons and like nephews like, uh-huh. are in a wrestling program. And they wrestled like all these other top programs, and like they got a guy who wrestled at Kansas. So, oh, that's man, great. Every, man, wrestling is for everybody. You yes. can go and travel. You can go your hardest, and, and you get respect. It's like nobody really gets hurt. You actually get to prove yourself. Right. And if, if you can wrestle, then it because it, it, I, I chickened out. I couldn't make the weight. I wrestled for about three weeks, and it was like, fuck this, I'm going to go run indoor track because this is too hard. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> but if, if you can stick it out, man, wrestling is, is such a great sport to build character. Yes. And then, too, for your other sports, if, if you're a football player and you don't play basketball, wrestling's only going to make you better at football. Yeah. Any other sports, you're only going to make you. And then later in your life, you're going to be able to defend yourself confidently. You're not going to do as, – as a person, it's just, it's just good for building, you know, building humans yeah building resiliency and discipline and and a lot of things that people don't necessarily have as much of today it seemingly exactly uh they should bring that back i mean we got uh synchronized diving in the olympics or swimming or yeah. whatever and, and we're taking amateur wrestling out i, I don't understand yeah. bring back shop class and wrestling yeah shop class boy i miss yeah. that i still have all fingers and toes though thank goodness I need another uh, carving board. <laughs> yeah, yeah. <laughs> this shitty ashtray. <laughs> <laughs> I need a birdhouse. Uh, man. Um, speaking of Steepy Miochik, uh, I was just watching the latest Joe Rogan, which had Francis and Ganu. Um, who, who, who do you have in that one? I mean, I'm, I'm not betting against Steepy. No, no. He's uh. Yeah, I mean, t- I, I think I think greatest heavyweight ever, tougher. right? It's gonna be yeah. I mean, just look at his record, who he's beaten. It's almost like looking at Amanda Nunez. It's like if you beat everybody, then you know you don't have to run around screaming you're the best. It's like I right. beat the belt, not beat everybody else in that. He beat you know he beat Cormier. So yeah, I was going to say, do you think his wars with Cormier might you know he he's not as young as he was the last time they fought? Do you think that'll have any bearing on on the fight or? I think he kind of got lucky because Cormier really Cormier did a lot of wrestling and grinding, right? He yeah, a lot of damage, right? And there were times where I think if if Cormier like the first one, he got him with a combo. If Cormier would have mm-hmm. laid off the wrestling and maybe went for a finish, he got him. I think. I mean, hell, you saw who retired and who didn't. Yeah, right. <laughs> <laughs> I yeah. just think Ngannou has gotten so much better, and then he's had you know the um, he's been at the U- UFC uh, performance institute. Yeah. He's really been working his grappling, and he's had a lot of people. So that's the, that's really the measure. I mean, Stipe, you know, he's he's steady Eddie. Um, he's that strong style. He has his people he works with. But just really the big measure is going to see how much of a jump Ngannou's made. And if, if it's just, you know, knockout. And it's not going to be enough. It's, it's, it's not going to be enough. But if <clears throat> he's it, the thing that I'm most worried about with, with the knockout with Stipe is in a transition where yeah. he might go for a, a takedown or Stipe might be defending one and then he gets clipped or it might be against the cage and then, you know, he might be, you know, trying to get out. That, that's where the knockouts come where it's, you know, where you misjudge or you get caught in a transition. I'm not really worried about much about him getting caught, you know, standing up. He might get caught in, in loopy, 
and right. then get tied up. But I, I really think that it's going to be like an uppercut from the clinch or, you know, a, mm-hmm. something in a scramble where, you know, it's a takedown and then Stipe is getting up and then getting caught there. Yeah, because, you know, Stipe, he, he took some Nganu punches in the last one and, and kept on trucking. So, yeah. you know, who could that, Cle- that Cleveland chin right there. Man, he hit him so hard it gave me a headache for the next two days. And I almost look at it as like the fact that he took he took Nganu's punches. Mm-hmm. And then when he started throwing those body blows against Cormier, man, I was I was actually at like BW3. I started jumping up and down and screaming like a little girl <laughs> like who, who was watching the Beatles. Because that was when he first, you know, he first got the, the W. Yeah. And it looked like, man, you know, Cormier was getting the best of him. And it was like, you know, before I go down, let me go ahead and punch this dude in the Popeyes and see what happens. <laughs> man, that... I tell you what, there's some there's some really good fights coming up too. Um, who who's your all time favorite fighter? Would you would you say, or could you pick one even? I know that's hard from any era too, any era. Favorite, um, like my favorite to watch. Yeah, I would say Anderson Silva. My favorite to try to like when I was sparring and training to mm-hmm. like emulate Vanderlei Silva. Yeah, that's that's a good one to emulate. Um, I think the like the best, like most accomplished, like when you look at, I think I think GSP is the greatest of all time. He's uh, he's still so good. Like I don't. Yeah, that that's actually the the thing that that, that since Connor lost, that's that's the one thing that Dana's dangling in front of uh, Khabib to try to get him to come back. That they're trying to get him matched up with GSP in the next year or so before both of them get too old. So. That's one thing that may or may not happen. Both of them are past their prime. It would be good to see. It'd I think John see, Jones yes. is great, but it's almost like he's almost too good for his own good. How do you think he's going to fare in heavyweight? Man, I can't wait to see. I mean, because he's naturally a big guy. Like yeah. both of his brothers are, you know, NFL players. Mm-hmm. You know, he was skinny early, but you know, as you as you become older, you naturally fill out. So, and then the pictures he's shown, like he's he's been able to hold two fifty easy. So I, I really, I really want to see what holding two fifty is one thing. Taking a Oof. punch from two fifty is another. Like right. you know, he's been able to you know take punches from guys at two hundred five. But what's he going to do if if Ngano hits him or, or Derek Lewis or somebody yeah. like that? Yeah. What's he going to do if Overeem hits him? Man, oh, poor Overeem. Overeem can't take them good vitamins no more. Yeah, he can't take the good vitamins no more. He look and you know. <laughs> He looked rough. Um, yeah. Yeah, yeah. I, I was another one that kind of made me sad. Uh, I mean, but the thing is, too, like, I mean, he's got 600 fights. Yeah, yeah. He's been fighting. See, every league, remember, every... Remember, he was skinny. It's like... Yeah. He fought Chuck Liddell. Yeah. When he first go started home, Pride, how he was still Alexander, skinny. Alexander, go home. Right, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> it might be time to hang them gloves up, bro. Yeah, like getting the cannabis in it. K one strike force. <laughs> I think he fought an affliction. Like every every organization that's ever like come and gone, he's fought in all the older. Like, dude, take your chin and go home while you still can. It's like stop stop letting them big dudes hit you in the head. Yeah, they've just found ways through his little defense and and yeah, like you said, it's well, you know, I was surprised that he kept going after. Uh, and Ganu introduced him to Jesus during wow, their fight. Yeah. That my uh, gosh, that, that's that's something when you when you get hit like that, you're never the same. I don't, I, I do not care. It's like when you when you go through that, you're 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 never quite the same. Like the um the uh, Roy McDonald uh, 
Robbie Lawler fight. They yeah. Like, neither one of them were ever, ever. the same after mm-hmm. that fight. There's just certain times where you leave just a little bit of yourself that you don't come back out. Of. You you don't get hit like that as a human and keep all your marbles. He lost three. Some of those that were like the the original one of those, which is uh, go way back, the Stephen Bonner Force Griffin. Yeah, they beat the snot <laughs> each other. I, there was nobody going to quit in that fight. You know what? That was um um one of the things I remember watching a documentary on uh, Tap Out and mm-hmm. the UFC is I miss them the guys. That was a break thing where um the Fertitas were going to sail if that didn't work, mm-hmm. and then um that that episode like it spiked so much that. It saved the UFC, and then Tap Out said they got so many orders, and they made so much money that they tried to go to the bank, and the bank said, like, okay, you guys have been negative for two years. Y'all have no money. You're going to need a lawyer to get access to your money because they made, like, $200,000 in orders in one night. They went from, like, wow. I think the dude's uh, punk ass, he said they went from, like, $400 in the bank to, uh-huh. like, a couple hundred thousand. They're like, no, y'all, you're going to need somebody. Man. Um, I need one of them in my life. Yeah, right. They like that. My gosh. Well, what? I, there's three things I've mentioned this on podcast for. There's three things I had a kind of rough childhood growing up. Three things that saved me is uh, stand up comedy, uh, horror movies, and pro wrestling. Um, what What were things that you were a fan of? Were you a fan of comedy always as a kid, or is that something that happened later? Yeah, or like- I would always love, like, my dad, like, had Cheech and Chong records. Um, yes. Oh, I my God. I would stay up late. Like, that was the best thing about cable. When I was younger, like, people would talk about, like, when they would see Eddie Murphy, a special, or yeah. in middle school before, like, social media, people would, like, repeat, like, everything Sam Kennison said, like, Kennison. And then, like, the Robert Townsend specials where, like, the Wayans brothers got discovered. Like, oh a lot of gosh. comments. There was so much. Damon Wayans, the most underrated comedian ever. Oh, my God. He's so yeah. funny. People just don't know. And then, too, it's like, it's so weird because so many people know Rodney Dangerfield. is like, hey, I don't get no respect. It's like, right. he made so many people. He gave so many people opportunities and just having like those different showcases they used to have on like HBO and Showtime. Mm-hmm. And it's, it's great to have Netflix now and there's even more opportunities, but just remember those, those little HBO comedy specials and stuff yes. like comic view and, yep. you know, deaf comedy jam when it, when it was good. Just, just, I don't know, just all the different angles of comedy, man. Mm-hmm. Everybody. Yeah. That's, I, I, you know, sort of like music, everybody, has their favorite, and there's some people, and I get it, have their favorite styles of comedy, but for me, I grew up on everything from Gallagher to George Carlin to Cheech and Chong to Red Fox and Richard Pryor. Like, I just, my dad had all these albums that he would let me listen to when I was way too young to be listening to them, and, and it just, they, they just took me to another place, you know? They hypnotized me. And I love the Cheech and Chong albums, like oh. Sister Mary Elephant. Yes. My eye and just, that's small, <laughs> One leg over like my that. shoulder. Yeah. Blonde Melon Tip, man. That, yeah, that was some funny, funny stuff. And uh, then to be able to think about that, like, they just, like, the technology that they had then, the access they had, like, to be like, okay, we're going to make this work. And everything that we have at our disposal now, it's like, it's so cool. That's cool to see, like, the older people doing mm-hmm. it. 
But then to get out of my grumpy old man box is really cool <laughs> to see young people being able to like, hey, I've got a, I've got a TikTok or right. people's like they got their own YouTube built up or uh-huh. me kind of starting to market myself, you know, using social media. That's how we were able to connect. So yes. it's beautiful to be able to see that the same tools that were used in the past being able to, you know, adapt to new stuff. To be able to connect in so many different ways with technology, it provides, um, you know, just just a great opportunity for really yeah. anybody who's creative. If you're creative and stuff, uh, you, you know, get out there and be creative. There's a there's a program, there's a software, there's a hookup, there's you know, there, there's Access a way to get to around. Nigerian princes, princes, you know, who want to give you thirty million dollars. Yeah, it's yeah. A lot of good stuff. And and if they really like you, they'll go ahead and check on saying if you need that extended car warranty. <laughs> that was that the best part of the pandemic or what everybody looks at his negative i'm like but i didn't get one offer for a car warranty <laughs> the whole pandemic oh man you know I, I i feel like there were some positives if you just look hard enough that's funny uh uh, what, what about pro wrestlers? You know, we talked about those in every area. You're talking about Dusty Rose. Do, oh, you, do Mar- you remember the Rock and Roll Express? Oh, Marty Jannetty and uh, who was the other one? No, even older than that, uh, Ricky Morton and Robert Gibson. Okay, yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, yeah, yeah. No, yeah, Marty Jannetty and uh, that was Shawn uh, Michaels with the Rockers. Yes, sir. Rock and Roll Express mm-hmm. before them. That was actually yeah, the Rockers with the WWE uh, version of it. Of the Rock and Roll Express. Yeah. And they were good and had some good, you know, uh, uh, feuds with the same guys, you know, Tully Blanchard and Arn Anderson, uh, yeah. which are two more of my favorites who were who amazing. But uh, uh, Ricky Morton, uh, I, I've known Ricky for over 20 years, and every time I see Ricky, he tells the same joke that uh, he picked up this hitchhiker, and that that hitchhiker, he said, Hey, Ricky, he said, uh, I think I want to suck your dick. Ricky said, I threw that motherfucker out of my car when he was done. <laughs> 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 See that that's some that's some road comedy right there. And yeah. it's like half the people half the people in the locker room are like, Is he serious? And half yeah. the people in the locker room, the other half were like, Where'd you pick him up? <laughs> yeah, where'd you pick him up at? Was that around here? <laughs> He's still out there. He's still out there? Yeah, it's it's great. It's uh I, I, I love Ricky. Uh, you know, uh, uh, business-wise, uh, uh, people have had problems with him off and on, but he was always great to me. I always helped promote me. I always helped push me. I worked for uh, Ben Morton, uh, doing some TV work for them and, and Ricky Morton, and he was always a, a great help in pushing me and giving advice. And uh, before man, there were... Anderson's was... just fucked up everybody. Yes. <laughs> man, those Andersons look... I used to be so scared for Ricky Morton when I was a little kid. Like I, was, I, I thought his arm has got to be broken in 8,000 places. The way he sold, like you believed he was yeah. in dire, like you was getting tortured. Like I would, I would almost want to cry. Like as a little kid, I'm like, why don't you just give up, Ricky? Like don't let him hurt you no more. Yeah. Okay. I remember now because that was okay. I, I I grew up in Columbus. But okay. My grandfather was a big Braves fan, and we got the the, the Superstation WCW. Yeah, Turner. Yeah. And we were we were always watch the Braves, and then but WCW. That's what we would watch that on. I mm-hmm. remember, man. Yeah. Why did they always? They would always feed the Rock and Roll Express to the Anderson. Man. Yeah. 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 Uh, it, man, tag teams. That's a lost art in wrestling today. Yeah. I really miss the the tag teams. Well, the managers. You know, we're talking about Bobby Anderson. He's so good and. And a lot of these guys have good looks, but they may, you know, be a little stale in the charisma department and stuff. And, and I really think they feel a, a vital, important role. I, I wish they would bring that kind of thing back. 
um, managers and, and tag teams, which he used to like. My favorite tag team was the, uh, the Hart Foundation with the, the, the nice. Mount of the South, Jimmy Hart, mm-hmm. and then Brett the Hitman Hart, and the Angle Man. That, that, that whole mix, like you said, because individually, Bret Hart and, and Jim Angel were they were really good wrestlers, but you put them together, man, with Jimmy Ellen, and it's like it's just it's, it's high drama. You you can't you can't take your eyes off of. It. Yeah, you you hated them because they were such you know assholes and, and good wrestlers, and then you hated Jimmy because he wouldn't shut the fuck up, and it oh, just man. added to the heat. I loved it. Um, do you? So, are you the kind of comic then? Um, how how do you feel about uh? hecklers like is that is that your thing do, do you like to get those or I've or do you only, prefer I've not only, to or i've only had um like one motherfucker stupid enough to do it i'm, <laughs> I'm waiting on them i'm waiting on them so you ready yeah i'm waiting i don't i don't i don't, I don't do crowd work that's one thing okay so a lot of, i think there's right. a lot of comics that they'll go out and they'll do crowd work i i, I, I kind of look at it like the zoo it's like i'm uh-huh. not gonna come and ask you nothing i'm not gonna put you on the spot and don't make yourself a part of the show if, if you try to make a part yourself a part of the right. show. I'm going to respectfully embarrass you and make you realize you shouldn't have tried to be a part of the show. <laughs> yeah. Yeah, and I'll, you know, and, and it doesn't matter what crowd because there's, there's those kind of assholes oh. in wrestling shows and comedy shows that want to ruin it. And I never understood that. Like the... You, you, you know, you have these guys yelling, I hear you talking. It's like, well, I hear you talking too. Like, I, I, you know, why do you have to say something? Let everybody enjoy the show. Well, you know, it's it's one of those things too where it's almost it's a sign that the crowd is near friends. Either yeah. the crowd is either bored as fuck yep. or they're they're losing their mind. Yeah. So it's it's if if you can ride the wave and say something stupid if if they say something stupid, you can say something stupid mm-hmm. like um I like uh the one comic uh, Robin Harris, like yeah. there was a heckler and he was like, uh, somebody put something in his mouth, my zipper stuck. And then there was another one. He was like, uh, "He said, open your eyes. We'll find you using all black club." It's like to be able to come back when somebody just blurts out right. something stupid with that just one liner to kill it. If 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 it's it's almost like an animal. The, the, a crowd detects fear. So right. if a heckler can get inside your head and throw you off, and you're spinning and you're going back and forth thinking, and you've already lost. If I'm on stage, I've got the mic. I'm in control. Right. I'm going to say something to you to let you know. It's like I hear you. Shut the fuck up! I'm right. gonna keep going. Yeah, like yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm gonna try to kill you instantly with one. I'm not, I'm not gonna let you be a part of the show, or I'm not gonna let you say. I, but as a comic, that you almost have to work on. I like here, um, a friend of mine, uh, Diego Morales and yeah. uh, Mike Zaragoza, they host roast battles, so comic go okay. back and forth. I love that, and it's kind of crazy. Yeah, because it's like they spend so time making insults, but if you, if you can go back and forth with comics when you get out on the road, and you know. You know, somebody's had two beers and they think that they're, you know, funny trying to impress somebody. Yeah. There'll, there'll be no match for you. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Stay in your lane. Yeah, it's like those guys, you know, that want to pick a fight with a Gracie because they know they're such good fighters. It's like, why would you want to do that? Or pick a fight with Chuck Liddell. It's like, really? Ooh, we. I like yeah. my teeth. Yeah, me too. I like, you know, I, I like this whole breathing, living thing. It's, it's, it, I've become quite fond of it, even through the pandemic. The crazy thing, too, about like men, like in Ohio, it's guys that you wouldn't suspect that are just like Stipe, like, or, yeah. or somebody that looks like Fedor. Like, you, you never know who, who's gonna knock you in the next week or rip your arm off yeah. and, like, you know, make you use it as a suppository. So, it's best to just try to respect everybody and be yeah. nice because you never know. Yeah, yeah, and it's the same thing in wrestling. I tell the guys, especially managers, this one, I won't mention his name, he's, he's, he's up there now, but, um, 
when he first started out, he was having trouble with the crowd because instead of him working the crowd, he was letting the crowd work him. And that's exactly what yeah. I told him. I said, remember, you're in control. Okay. Yeah, you, you have the microphone. You, you have, are on stage. Yes, you, you were on stage. This is your floor. They they don't matter. They're peons. They're not even saying nothing. Like, yep. just, just pretend like you don't hear anything. Who uh who who was one of your favorite managers back in the day? Oh well, uh, Jimmy uh, Martha the South Martha Heart, South. Uh, Mr. Fuji, of course, Bobby Heenan. No, probably Bobby. Bobby Heenan, Heenan. yeah, he, yeah, Bobby he, Heenan. Not only was his managerial skills so good, they always matched him up with such great talent. You know, from Andre the Giant to you know the Heenan family's just it's, it was amazing. Yeah. Well, that too, and then the old um, USA Wrestling with Gorilla Monsoon too, just like him as a commentator. Yeah. And how they would how they would bring it in, and then him, and then with Jesse the Body. Yes. Bobby Heenan is like really, I mean, and then too how he could he he could just sit there and cut a promo, and and guys could just just sit back there and just look big and mean, and they wouldn't have mm-hmm. to say nothing. So he helped so many people get over in wrestling when they were trying to find what their gimmick was. Right. When they were trying to be, they, they were probably back there terrified to be on camera. Oh, absolutely. Afraid to say anything. So mm-hmm. Bobby goes out there and talks the first three or four times and is like, okay, I feel like I might be able to say something and guys will growl or say something yeah. and they'll be able to build a character. Or, or, yeah, or they can keep it short and sweet. They don't have to have this monologue, you know, let him take yeah. care of the monologue. And then I come in and go, I'm going to fuck you up. And then that's it. Yeah, Jim Cornette just for the tennis racket. Yeah, yeah, he, he yeah. was annoying. He was good at being annoying. Um, but you know what though? It was it's almost like a Bill Belichick type of thing. He's annoying as hell. Yeah, he has that tennis racket. So you know, anytime he's going to cheat, yep. he's going to pop some somebody. Somebody's getting the tennis racket. The yeah. referee, your opponent, Jim, you. Somebody's getting the tennis racket. <laughs> and, and let me just say, when you're hit, first of all, tennis rackets are a lot harder than you people may imagine. Second of all, you were supposed to get hit with the flat part of that racket, and if you get hit with the line part, it will crack your skull wide open. Um, yeah. So again, yeah, using fake is just not not a good term. That's I used to hear people talk about. Well, he's just hitting with a tennis racket. It's like, have you ever been hit with a tennis just. racket? <laughs> yeah, by a pro wrestler. By a pro wrestler. <laughs> by a little kid, you know. Yeah. <laughs> You know, a little kid punch you just right, and you're like trying not to sell it, but you, you let, heard. Let, let, let Sid Vicious and his special vitamins hit you with a tennis racket. Let me Ooh, know how it feels when you get out, when you get out of the emergency room. <laughs> I, yeah, I wouldn't want. Yeah, I wouldn't want him to hit me with a stuffed animal. You know, they just. Yeah. <laughs> they just too too big. Uh, speaking of Ricky Morton, him and his son wrestle together now. They're tagging as the Mortons, but I remember uh, back when I first met Ricky. Carrie'd be running around the dressing rooms. Everybody's looking around. There's this little kid just grabbing everybody's uh, tape out of their bag. And I always wondered, is he just playing? Is that just a rambunctious kid? Or is is that what Ricky Morton has trained him to do so he don't have to buy wrist tape anymore? That's smart. (laughs) Because, you know, guys, I always need wrist tape in the bag. That's the thing. Somebody always want to borrow some wrist tape. Yeah, that's half people's costume they just show up with like a, a flannel shirt and just tape their arms up and just yeah they ready go to go to tape my, I think that's what happened with the Super Bowl halftime show they didn't really have no no type of <laughs> outfit so they just put a bunch of tape on their heads <laughs> <laughs> It, it, I don't, look, I didn't, I didn't know if it was underwear on their heads or, or what kind of Super Bowl we were having. I was like, they're mad at Janet, but they can wear the panties on their head. I don't get it. It's just. That's what it looked like. I, I, I still can't get. I tried to watch it three times. I just can't get past. I, I think I'm an old person. 
Right. I think that's the official. And when, when I complain about the Super Bowl halftime, back in my day, we had better <laughs> music than that, see? I'm officially old. Yeah, yeah, we're, we're, we're heading towards curmudgeon really fast. <laughs> well, well uh, it's been some great stories, but before we wrap it up here, is there anything else you want to talk about coming up um, that you might have coming up that uh, your friends have well, coming first up? First off, um, I really wanted to thank you uh, for having me on uh, Chronic Conversation, man. It's, it's, it's been really great to be on. Um, I'd like to uh, thank the uh, whole comedy community here in uh, Dallas, Fort Worth, uh, George Red Speaks and uh, Comedy Junkie Society. You can find both on uh, Facebook and Instagram under the same. I'm really excited about the uh, Feral Hogs tour coming here. Um, right. That's going to be um, the 17th at uh, Hyenas Fort Worth. You can get your tickets on the uh, website or uh, hit me up on uh, Facebook. Um, you can look find me there as a Chris Hopkins comedian and uh, also on uh, Instagram um, as a Chris Hopkins uh, comedian also. And um, thanking everybody uh, back in Chattanooga to yeah. um, Charles Newby, uh, Brian, the uh, Gravy Boys, man. Definitely Gravy check Boys. out the Gravy Boys podcast. Uh, Cedric Middlebrooks, he's got another uh, comedy show. And he's produced a few called Laugh, Damn It. Okay. The fourth one's going to be coming up after COVID. I'm just really thankful to be in comedy, man, and looking forward to you know getting back uh, out and, and meeting more people and probably uh, getting down to Ringgold and uh, maybe doing a live show with you and getting together. Yeah, I think that'd be a great idea. Um, and you're welcome back anytime. Like I said, I you know I, I'll do whatever I can to get you back on here because I, I really think we have that little chemistry. And uh, oh I, yeah, definitely. I, I, I loved our Facebook conversations and I love this conversation and uh, can't wait to have you back on here, buddy. Thank you so much for doing the show. Thank you. I'll be back anytime, man. Take care. I appreciate you. Uh, all right, everybody. That's the end of our show today. So goodbye from Jerry Anderson. Baby, tell him goodbye. Peace. Peace, everyone. Thanks. Bye-bye. <laughs>